join us as we sing. verses 13 to 18 in the New International Reader's Version. Who is going to hurt you if you really want to do good? But suppose you do suffer for doing what is right. Even then you will be blessed. Scripture says, don't fear what others say they will do to hurt you. Don't be afraid. But make sure that in your hearts you honor Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope you have. Be ready to give the reason for it, but do it gently and with respect. Live so that you don't have to feel you've done anything wrong. Some people may say evil things about your good conduct as believers in Christ. If they do, they will be put to shame for speaking like this about you. God may want you to suffer for doing good. That's better than suffering for doing evil. Christ also suffered once for sins. The one who did what is right suffered for those who don't do right. He suffered to bring you to God. His body was put to death, but the Holy Spirit brought him back to life. You may be seated. 
Join me as we invite God's presence here. God, we invite you here. I thank you that you are here. Please do your work in us and through us. Help us to come with you, to come to you with open hearts and hands. Please take our gifts of money, our time, our listening as a worship to you. Amen. new song. 
I'm always struck by that. That song says the Revelation song, and it really is. When you read Revelations, that, that is the song. Um, the next song uh, we're going to sing is new to us and uh, maybe new to you. If it isn't, if it isn't, let me know. Um, this song, He Will Hold Me Fast, was originally written in 1906 as a song for revival services of that time. Um, there's been some reworking in, in the last season um, of this song, and um, but it's been written because it's been meaningful to people of all, of all this generation. Um, for, you, for those of you who have been a part of crusades and revivals, I don't know if any of you have been to a Billy Graham crusade, um, the song Just As I Am might bring a memory to you of no matter where you were in your faith journey. Um, this song is the same feeling. Um, it's that reminder that no matter where you are in your faith journey, that God is faithful, and he's there, and he's going to hold us. And that's a promise that he's given us. So um, I'd invite you to listen, join in when you feel comfortable, and... Uh, When the 
to stand and sing with us the last song.
Thank you. You can be seated. I'm going to invite the worship team to go and have a seat. And I'm going to invite each of you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 4, 1 to 19. Um, I'm looking forward to what the sermon is on this um, because just reading the scripture, this is, this is a sermon in itself. So looking forward to what you have to say, Matt. Um, <clears throat> I will be reading from the New International Reader's Version. So there might be a couple different words, but please follow along. 1 Peter 4, 1 to 19. Christ suffered in his body. So prepare yourselves to think in the same way Christ did. Do this because whoever suffers in their body is finished with sin. As a result, they don't live in the rest of their earthly life for human, evil human desires. Instead, they live to do what God wants. You have spent enough time in the past doing what oddly ungodly people choose to do. You lived a wild life. You longed for evil things. You got drunk. You went to wild parties. You worship statues of God, which the Lord hates. Ungodly people are surprised that you no longer join them in what they do. They want you to join them in their wild and wasteful living. So they say bad things about you, but they will have to explain their actions to God. He is ready to judge those who are alive and those who are dead. And that is why the good news was preached even to those people who are now dead. It was preached to them for two reasons. It was preached so that their bodies might be judged this judgment is made by human standards. But the good news was also preached that their spirits might live, and this life comes by means of God's power. The end of all things is near, so be watchful and control yourselves, and then you may pray. Most of all, love one another deeply. Love erases many sins by forgiving them. Welcome others into your homes without complaining. God's gifts of grace come in many forms. Each of you has received a gift in order to serve others. You should use it faithfully. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking God's words. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. And then in all things, God will be praised through Jesus Christ. Glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised by the terrible things happening to you. The trouble you are having has come to test you. So don't feel as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be joyful that you are taking part in Christ's sufferings. Then you will have even more joy when Christ returns in glory. Suppose people say bad things about you because you believe in Christ. Then you are blessed because God's spirit rests on you. He is the spirit of glory. If you suffer, it shouldn't because, be because you are a murderer. It shouldn't be because you are a thief or someone who does evil things. It shouldn't be because you interfere with other people's business. But suppose you suffer for being a Christian, then don't be ashamed. Instead, praise God because you are known by the name of Christ. It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And since it begins with us, what will happen to the people who don't obey God's good news? The scripture says, suppose it is hard for godly people to be saved. Then what will happen to ungodly people and sinners? Here's what the people who suffer because of God's plan should do. They, could, they should commit themselves to their faithful creator, and they should continue to do good. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, please bow with me now in a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the little ones in our church. 
God, we pray that as they go to Children's Church now, that you open their ears, open their hearts, open their eyes to the new truths that you have to teach them this morning. We pray that they sit deep. We pray that they affect the little ones all their lives. And we also pray for the teachers. Give them the perseverance. Give them the words to say and be with them as they do this most important of jobs. We also want to pray a blessing on our service this morning. God, we pray that you will be here and we will see you here in our hearts and in our minds. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. If you are a child, then down the hall, that way. All right, if you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to pull them out. We have a whole pile of things on our bulletins this day, and so I am excited to show them. First one, tonight, 5.30 p.m., Thanksgiving supper at the church. Uh, we've been announcing that for a while. Please bring a dessert. Uh, also, please bring a friend. If you know anybody that wants to have some good food this evening, feel free to invite them along. It'll be great to have them. There's good music afterwards, good food, uh, good conversation. I will be there, so I know there's good conversation there. So invite your friends along. Uh, also, uh, immediately after the service, uh, we would like to ask uh, any able-bodied people if they would help to set up tables for tonight as well. Uh, so that's immediately after the service, we will be setting up tables for tonight. And so we'd ask that uh, if you are able to come and help. Next. Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. I am excited for this. Kids Connect begins, grades three to six. Uh, we have been talking about that for a while and now it is finally starting. So that is this Wednesday. Uh, also, if you want to provide snacks for the evening, then I would ask get in touch with Amy Taves. She will be able to tell you everything that you need to know as far as what it is that they need for the kids. So Kids Connect, Grades 3 to 6, that starts 6.30 this Wednesday here at the church. I would also ask that we pray for all of the volunteers uh, as they busy get ready for the rest. We pray for the kids too, that it is a wonderful day. Pray for the kids also that a good chunk come. That is what we are praying for for this coming Wednesday. Uh, also, 7 p.m., the prayer meeting is also going to be at the church. That way we can have that prayer there in person as well. And so uh, 7 p.m at the church. That is when prayer meeting will be. Uh, next, Thursday, 7.30 p.m., high school girls Bible study will be at Bethany's. Uh, so make sure to tell anyone that you know that is a high school girl about that uh, or send your own high school daughters as well. Uh, work day is going to be next Saturday, 9 a.m. It has been a year now since we've had a work day. There is more trees that still need to come down. And so uh, we ask bring rakes, uh, bring definitely gloves as well. They'll be picking up branches and things like that. Bring chainsaws, bring trucks. Keep an eye on the midweek email. And if there's anything else special that we need, I will put that on there. But I'm pretty sure that was all that we discussed. We needed rakes, we needed gloves, chainsaws, and if you have them, trucks or trailers or anything like that, and we'll get rid of the rest of those trees. Then next Sunday, Sunday school, 945, uh, 10.45 is the worship service. It is also the deacon installation service. And so we would ask that you come out to show support to our new deacon couple, Gord and Christine. It'll be a good installation, so come on out for that. 
Uh, apart from that, we're skipping on down. I told you, there's a good chunk of things on here today. Alton Fest is coming back, uh, senior celebration. It's at the Sommerfeld Church on November 13th at 2.30 p.m. My understanding is Sommerfeld is hosting, but on deck to be doing the service uh, is the Rhineland Church. And so I would encourage you all to come on out for that. If you are a senior that really wants to celebrate, or if not, it'll be a good time to see everybody again after all these years. Uh, November 19th, uh, the YFC fundraising banquet is on. It'll be at the Austin Hall. It starts at 6 p.m. Uh, and RSVP as soon as you can. Uh, that is important. You can RSVP at the, uh, oh, the website, right? The YFC website? I'm getting the thumbs up, so I know I'm right. So RSVP at the uh, uh, YFC website. Going down, Adult Christmas Social is coming back this year, and we need volunteers, two to three volunteers needed to help plan that. And so if that is something that is interesting to you, contact Diana. Uh, I am absolutely looking forward to that. Those were wonderful evenings, and I am looking forward to them coming back. So volunteer, two or three of them. Uh, if you want to become a member of McGregor EMC, talk to me. And apart from that, I think we are finally through the announcements. Are there any other announcements that I have missed? All right, then let's go to our items for prayer. First off, elections are this coming Wednesday also, the 26th. They are being held at the... The multiplex, multiplex, that's the word. If you live in McGregor, they are being held there. Uh, if you live elsewhere, then uh, the municipal office will be able to tell you where you need to go in order to uh, vote. So that is always an important time. Uh, that is the 26th, I think they're all day. Uh, we wanna pray for the municipal elections. We wanna pray that the right candidates are the ones that come through and that God works through whoever it is that is elected. And we also wanna make sure to pray for them over the years that go by because that is a difficult job and so we want to make sure that they are in our prayers. Uh, also we want to pray for Kids Connect that starts on October 26th as I said before. Uh, so very important we want to keep them in our prayers that it is a wonderful time and that God is taught to new people in a way that really really gets in them. Uh, we also want to pray for tonight and the Thanksgiving meal and uh, finally I will uh, pray for our speaker, Matt Giesbrecht, who I am going to introduce in just a little bit, so get excited for that, but please bow with me now in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning, first off, in thanksgiving. We come before you this morning in thanksgiving for all that you have done for us over this past year. And because this is our first year back with our Thanksgiving meal after three, now we want to thank you for all that you have done for us over the past three years as well. Lord, it has been a difficult three years. Between drought, between flooding, between pandemic, between all of these things, we will not pretend that it has not been a difficult three years. But at the same time, we have seen you at work. We have seen how you have led us through it. We have seen the safety you have provided. We have seen the blessings you have provided. And we say thank you to you for all of it. And God, we pray as we gather tonight, we pray that we will come together and we will have that same thanksgiving in our hearts, that same thanksgiving for you and all that you have done. Lord, we pray a blessing on the meal tonight. 
Lord, we pray that many come out and join us in this time of thanksgiving. And God, most of all, we just pray thanks to you and thanks that we have the time like this, the meals like this, where we can remember to say that. Thank you. And God, this week we have many things that we need to pray for that we want to bring before you this morning as well. First, we want to pray for the municipal elections that are coming up. We want to pray that they are well run. We want to pray that many people come out and vote, and we want to pray that whoever it is that gets into office, that they were the ones that you would have there. Lord, we pray that they, for them now that they are in this last stretch of the campaign trail, that they have that perseverance to make it the next couple days, and yet also to hit the ground running already beginning next month. And so, God, we bring that before you. We pray that whichever council gets in, it will be a blessing on North Norfolk for the next four years. And, Lord, we pray that in ways that we don't even see now, that your kingdom will be built and that we will see it looking back as well. And, God, we also want to pray for Kids Connect. We have been so excited for it for so many months now, and now this week we are finally seeing it kick off. And so, Lord, we want to pray a blessing upon it. Lord, we want to pray a blessing on each of the volunteers that have spent so much of their time already. We want to pray a blessing for each of the kids that are considering, each of the parents considering bringing their kids to it. And God, we pray that there are many that will come to see you and to know you and to have a relationship with you in ways that they didn't know possible before. But God, we most of all, pray alongside that, that it will be a formative time, a fun time, that it will be a time that they remember all of their lives. God, we want to put that before you. We pray move through Kids Connect in our community. And again, we want to say thank you so much for all of those that are involved in the hard work that they have done. We thank you for working through them. And God, finally, we want to pray for our guest speaker this morning. We want to pray for Matt Giesbrecht. Please give him the words to say and please speak to us through him. We put all of this before you this morning in your name. Amen. Our speaker this morning, as I said, is Matt Giesbrecht. He is from Gretna, Altona. I have known him for, and we were very sad about this, 20 years. Not because he is a bad guy by any means, but it means that it has been 20 years since we first went into college together, and we're not quite ready to deal with that. But he is a wonderful guy, a loving father, and I'm happy to call him my friend. He is speaking to us today on behalf of Voice of Martyrs. So uh, we have two videos we are going to play first before he comes up. Yes, yeah, so each Sunday morning that we are declaring the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we are doing it as witnesses to his resurrection power in us. When others from the outside see us entering this building, we are witnessing to the world not only that we believe this, but that we belong to him. So I will say it again, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Greetings on behalf of the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. My name is Matthew Giesbrecht, and yes, 
20 years ago, I did meet your pastor, Russell. Russell Dirksen, a man who has impacted my life and the life of my family. We are uh, back together, reunited after a long wait in, uh, due to COVID. Uh, Reunited after many years, uh, after many years of, you know, uh, at least one of us with less hair and more muscle pain, uh, more children, that type of thing. Uh, over the years, we've definitely matured, I, I hope, and at least to some degree. Uh, my wife and I have three beautiful children, uh, two of which are in children's church right now, one in the nursery. We hail from Gretna attend the Altona Mennonite Mission Church, Altona Mennonite, Evangelical Mennonite Mission Church, rather. Uh, so I am actually, I guess, conference cousins with, with you fine folks this morning. I have been a regional ambassador for VOM Canada for nearly 10 years, and what has given me the awesome privilege of visiting churches across our region to speak on behalf of the agency and and for the, the persecuted church. A little bit about the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, it was founded in the United States by Pastor Richard Wormbrandt in 1967 after he suffered for his Christian faith at the hands of the Romanian communist government and imprisoned for eight years, three of which were in solitary confinement. While in prison, Pastor Wormbrandt endured brutal beatings and torture, which he wrote about in his book, Tortured for Christ. There are a number of copies in the back for purchase for $6. The Voice of the Martyrs started as a newsletter called Jesus to the Communist World, whose mission was simple, to be the voice for the voiceless millions of Christians persecuted for their faith in the Church of the Underground. That mission remains the same today with VUM Canada and 11 other VUM offices around the world, serving over 50 countries. The Voice of the Martyrs Canada celebrated its 50th, uh, 50th anniversary just last year. As was said in that one video, currently there are 360 million Christians around the world that undergo high to extreme levels of persecution. That works out to around 1 in 7, or 14% of Christians worldwide. Much persecution is concentrated in African and Asian countries, but interesting to note that these regions see enormous growth among Christians as well, with both continents expected to double their numbers between the years 2021 and 2025. The church in the East is passionately sharing the gospel, and winning many souls for Christ, we need to continue to pray for them if we aren't already. With that said, please bow with me in prayer. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, be with us this morning as we worship you, as we make your name great by our witness. Be with us as we hear the word be edified by it, and share it. And Lord, we think of our brothers and sisters around the world who do that very thing in a dangerous world. A dangerous world to live for you. And we pray for courage for them, Lord, that they would be bold, unashamed of the gospel, and content, Lord, in the presence and the strength that you provide. We pray for consolation, Lord, that you would soothe their spirits, their souls, that they would find peace in the presence of Christ. And Lord, we pray for compassion, Lord, that they would stretch out in the arms and in the name of Jesus Christ the love that you so 
generously provide. And Lord, we, we pray for composure, Lord, that they would remain steadfast in their faith. And Lord, that they would not be shaken, but they give you glory and honor in what they do. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I have control of my PowerPoint, which is something to get used to, so please bear with me as I shifting to some degree my method of PowerPoint. Uh, so yes, that looks like the right slide. So let's carry on. First Peter chapter 3, 13 verses 17, as was shared earlier this morning. This is uh, the NIV translation, NIV 2011. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Peter here assumes one thing we in our culture gravely need to recognize, and that is this, that when people outside the faith see us, they should see that we are different from them. Whether they react to us by persecuting us or not, they ought to react differently to us because we lived under Christ and not ourselves. In a word, Peter charges us to practice martyrdom. What is martyrdom and where is there a direct biblical correlation? And that is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus tells his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Once again, that's NIV. The Greek word translated here as witnesses is actually where we get the English word for martyr. Simply put, a martyr is a witness to the testimony of Christ. But Peter's words in verse 15 lead me to ask this one question. Can Christians in Canada give the reason for the hope that we have? Roughly 10 years ago, the Canadian Bible Forum partnered with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada to conduct a survey that found that around 75% of identifying Christians rarely or never read their Bible. Hear that again. Around 75% of identifying Christians in Canada rarely or never read their Bible. In case you missed that, that's a majority of self-identifying Christians. The same survey also found that around 80% who read the Bible at least weekly affirmed it as the authoritative word of God. So that means 80% of a quarter of people who are confident in what the Bible says is true. How many is that? 20%. Just last year, EFC published their latest findings that that half of Canadians identify as either agnostic, atheist, or otherwise unreligious. Why do I tell you this? Because it is imperative for us to know the state of our own country and its response to the gospel. Also, this should tell us the state of the church and our influence in our homeland. So here I ask, where are Canada's martyrs? Is the testimony of Christ being witnessed to in our land? Have we let our voices be drowned out by fear or political correctness? And today, as we declare Christ's lordship as witnesses to his resurrection power in us by declaring to each other that he is risen, we are in turn practicing martyrdom, but 
It isn't enough to keep our witness and our testimony within these walls. We must be the visible, walking, talking testimonies of Christ in a society that desperately needs to hear it. If we can do that, we join in the martyrdom of the millions of persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. This morning's text teaches that this, in- this includes being innocent sufferers for doing good in God's sight. We often don't picture ourselves included in this category, though. But the truth is that those around the world undergo extreme persecution, and those who have have tapped into the truth in these few verses. The truth that reveals Jesus not only as God, King, and Teacher, but our model for discipleship through suffering, which becomes our physical witness to the hope that we have, that we see in chapter 3, verse 15. Peter's opening verses in Chapter 4, verses 1 through 2 of 1 Peter are very remarkable for us. They say, "Whoever Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Peter is saying that suffering for doing good, for doing what is right, results in us becoming more like Christ. Suffering for doing what is right results in us becoming more like Christ. Let's not come away from today having missed the, significant, the significance of this. Significant enough that renowned Pastor John Piper once said, it was the essential part or an essential part of the Christian existence. Countless Christians in restricted countries would agree Pastor Wurmbrandt recounts his experience in prison had brought him to a deeper, more obedient faith in Jesus Christ. In his book, he shares a letter from an imprisoned Christian youth who wrote, The sufferings that God sends us only strengthen us more and more in the faith in him. So what does suffering have to do with righteous living? Peter tells us in chapters Chapter 1, 6 to 7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. A physical witness one being done with sin. Suffering, just like any trial that comes along, acts as a refinement in the life of the Christian. But why is that? Well, it forces us to align our allegiances and positions us into a dependence on God that results in a closeness, in a communion with Him. A communion with the Spirit of God that sanctifies us and purifies us. To become pure in heart, as found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, is to endure pain. In fact, we get the English word pure, and uh, Russell, check my Greek, would you? The English word for pure comes from the Greek word for fire. 
Peter compares genuine faith to gold, considering it of higher value. To be more value, the more valuable in worth of gold, the more purified it must be. If impurities remain, it has not been purified enough. Its impurities must be burned away. From the biblical standpoint, suffering for Christ proves one's faith as genuine. Suffering is something that must happen if one truly desires to become more like Christ because it brings us to the foot of the cross. Lastly, to this point, we cannot expect to remain active in our sin and become true witnesses of Christ. The Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot sin, he cannot go on sinning. For if we fail to look any different from the rest of the world, any Christian hope we claim to have will go unnoticed by those outside of ourselves, and there is no witness. No, to live externally as a physical witness to Christ is to suffer. To lay down our own well-being or self-interest to bring God glory. That's where suffering starts. To lay down our own well-being or self-interest to bring God glory. This is not only compatible with being a true Christian, but it is the genuine mark of one. Encounter the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters And you will come across this theme repeatedly. These brothers and sisters require courage and composure to live well for Christ. Courage to withstand suffering, composure to stay rooted in Christ. They need us to pray for them. And our text goes on in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13 and verse 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. A few things here to note. And I want everyone to take heart this morning. The first is Peter's words in in verse 12. Do not be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. For the authentic believer, suffering is normal. It is a new identity, a new type of lifestyle. It should be expected. Why? Because we are aliens in this world. It's part and parcel of your new identity. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 19, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Our physical witness appears in our taking joy in suffering as well. The reason why the world hated Jesus was because of his righteousness. John 1 verse 5 states that Christ is light, righteousness, in the darkness. And the darkness, wickedness, 
has not understood it. The gospel is offensive, after all, to those who oppose it. If we appear to the world as Christ does, we, like the Philippian church, shine like stars in the sky, as is said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Peter says, rejoice in verse 13. Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. And in verse 16, he says, praise God that you bear that name. A little side note here. The ancient believers never chose the title Christians to identify themselves. No, they considered themselves followers of the way. The word Christian was given to them by those outside the church as an insult, as a mark for death. Similarly, today Christians in Iraq are treated the same way by the Islamic nation known as ISIS, often being marked with the Arabic letter for N, shorthand for Christian, given to them as a mark for death. But Peter says, praise God that you bear that name. Rejoice that you appear to the world as an imitation of Christ Jesus. And that means if someone encounters you, they are encountering Christ. Amen, brothers and sisters. We shouldn't be discouraged if others see Christ in us and hate us for it. We should rejoice, as Peter says. This is the evidence of Christ in us that we carry wherever we go. We are witnesses. Rejoice. Secondly, Peter speaks to the blessing of Christ in the presence of God in our lives. Paul refers to the Heavenly Father as the God of hope. In Romans chapter 15. If the spirit of God is the spirit of hope. And it is resting on us. How can we not, be, how can we not help but to be glad? We have hope like no other after all. A hope the world does not have nor understands. In his book, Tortured for Christ. Wormbrandt is quoted to say. Other prisoners, and even the guards, very often wondered how happy Christians could be under the most terrible circumstances. We could not be prevented from singing, although we were beaten for this. Christians in prison danced very joy. They weren't Mennonite. How could they be so happy under such tragic conditions? That was because they had not only seen the suffering, they had also seen the Savior. These martyrs hope was evident to those around them. A hope that created curiosity. This story continues with echoes of chapter 3, verse 15 of our text this morning. Many officers of the secret police to whom we witnessed became, became Christians and were happy to later suffer for having found Christ. Although we were whipped as Paul was, in our jailers we saw the potential of the jailer in Philippi who became a convert we dreamed that soon they would ask, what must I do to be saved? In those who mocked the Christians who were tied to crosses and smeared with excrement, we saw the, the crowd of Golgotha who were soon to beat their, be their breasts in fear of having sinned. I think we often underestimate how effective our testimonies can be. Imagine how impactful our witness would be if we let the hope of our salvation overflow out of us. 
Without the saving hope of the gospel, the world is without hope of any kind to save ourselves from our own destruction. We are meant to reflect this hope and leave others wanting. This is the testimony of our persecuted brothers and sisters. Their stories of finding contentment and consolation in destitution are testaments to the power and the truth of the gospel. They can affirm that they can do everything through Christ who strengthens them, but they need our continued prayers. Going on back into chapter 4, verse 8 of our text, I want to end with the climax of Peter's charge. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Our physical witness is shown in our acts of love. Peter reminds us what is most important, if not the most impactful part of our witness to Christ, and that is the hope that we have being a byproduct of the love we know has been showed to us and instilled in us as people belonging to Christ. People tell, or Peter tells rather, Peter tells us that love covers a multitude of sins and to let, them, let that be the driver in our lives. Therefore, we can forgive our persecutors because we can identify them as we ourselves were once enemies of God. We can see ourselves in those who hate us and extend mercy to them. Even though we are merciless, even though they are merciless toward us, we also can have a sober perspective of the undeserved grace given us, knowing that it is because of Christ and what he has done that has awarded us eternal life. So we do nothing for ourselves, but all things for Christ in response to his gift of salvation. When things become, when that, sorry, when we then become capable of true acts of love towards others because our minds have been transformed to conform to the mind of Christ. Without this, we are incapable of true love. First chapter, first John chapter 4, verses 10 to 12, it says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. When we truly are converted in the faith, we are impacted by God's grace and begin to be transformed into his image on earth. We, his agents, are agents of true love, not a love of human fabrication, but agents of love that are witnesses to, the Christ, to Christ's spirit in us that the world sees. After all, the greatest proof of God's existence is the external witness of those that belong to him. The greatest proof of God's existence, people, is the external witness of those that belong to him. Tortured for Christ moves on and, and shares a little bit about that as well. Wormbrandt wrote, When we were given one slice of bread a week and dirty soup every day, 
we decided we would faithfully tithe even then. Every tenth week, we took the slice of bread and gave it to weaker brethren as our tithe to the master. When one Christian was sentenced to death, he was allowed to see his wife before being executed. His last words to his wife were, You must know that I die loving those who kill me. They don't know what they do, and my last request of you is to love them too. Don't have bitterness in your heart because they killed your beloved one. We will meet in heaven. These words impressed the officer of the secret police who attended the discussion between the two. He later told me the story in prison where he had been sent for becoming a Christian. You know, we as Anabaptists have roots in acts of love under persecution. I'm not sure how many of you know the story of Dirk Willems, but our history is rooted richly in acts of love under persecution. What I would recommend is you pick up a copy of The Martyr's Mirror, it has that story in it, Google it, and rejoice in our heritage as acts of love agents who are using the love of Christ to impact those who hate us. See, many stories of persecuted brothers and sisters include tales of unconditional love like that for their enemies. Stories not unlike our history. Acts of incomprehensible compassion are changing hearts toward Christ every day. We need to pray for more. Please pray for more hearts to turn toward the Lord, both abroad and in Canada, as his testimony is being seen and heard in all corners of the world. Our brothers and sisters around the world are giving the reason for the hope that they have in response to those who see their lives and are left wanting what they have. We also need to prepare ourselves for that. But do we have the same hope of the 360 million persecuted Christians who stand ready to give for this reason? Whether as prisoners or as slaves or as separated from their families because they pledge allegiance not to a flag, not to an ideology or government power, but to the Lamb who was slain for them. Christians in the free world no longer have the same influence in society we once did. And we are becoming more marginalized. Let us not lose the hope that we are called to witness to. Brothers and sisters, our hope is found in Jesus Christ, him crucified and raised to life again, saving us from the power of sin and death and changing us to reflect who he is in this world. But do our neighbors know that? Do our co-workers? Do our friends know that? How must we direct our lives to give witness to this hope? It starts with the Bible and with communion with God in regular prayer. Starts with your body of believers. Fellowship. Discipleship. The stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters are encouragements to us as well. As they live out their faith in Christ in bold, supernatural ways, they are pointing to Christ. We can join them by hearing their stories, praying for them, 
corresponding with them and suffering alongside them for the sake of Christ. The time is now to give glory back to God in Canada and to witness in this land that Christ is Lord and that he reigns in power and sovereignty. So let's be encouraged to witness to the hope of Christ that the world will see us and give glory to God. So uh, before I head back down, uh, there's just a few slides I wanted to share, and then I believe we're going to move into the benediction that Pastor Russell will share with us before closing. Um, as a representative of Voice of the Martyrs, I get to share some of the very good things that the organization is involved with. And now that I actually can see my PowerPoint in front of me, I don't have to look behind me. So there's a blessing there. If you go to www.vomcanada.com, there's a pretty neat spread of all things related to the organization. One being um, information regarding the global persecution and the many countries that are heavily persecuted, either as a restricted or a hostile nation. Um, they define what that is uh, and in certain details regarding the persecution. They uh, have ways of subscribing to the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter uh, with prayer alerts. So there's a, a certain section in the website you can go to and sign up. There are a uh, few copies in the back of, of the actual newsletter as well. There'll be an insert in that newsletter if you're so desired to subscribe today, you can use that card to do so through the use of snail mail. There are other resources such as special ministries um, under the donations tab. Coming to Christmas, there's something called the Christmas blessing, which is similar to a Christmas hamper that can be sent or Operation Christmas Child kind of similarly where you can purchase online items to send over to be a blessing to those undergoing horrible persecution. Other resources would be prisoneralert.com. What this is is a, a list of current prisoners undergoing time or sentencing for their faith and ways you can correspond with them through writing of letters. There is actually... Uh, guidelines as to how to correspond with governing officials so that you can actually access these, these individuals. Like a pen pal program, you too can interact with those that are suffering for Christ in unimaginable ways. There's what used to be called Kids of Courage, which is exactly what it sounds like, a resource for children. If you go to www.persecution.com slash kids dash free slash. Uh, or you can simply Google Kids of Courage. And it's a kind of a cool little resource. It's changed over the years, so I'm not 100% uh, sure what's going to stay, what's going to go on that website. But uh, if you want cool little gifts for Christmas or stocking stuffers, I'd recommend the little booklets that they have to offer and to educate your children on living their faith out in empowered ways. And lastly, but certainly not least, in fact, it's the most, and that is prayer. Pray. 
That is the number one concern of brothers and sisters who were persecuted for their faith. Not that persecution would end, but that they would have the courage, the consolation, the contentment, the confidence in Christ to go on living for Jesus though they are persecuted. So please do. One way you can do that is on November 6th of this year. You can sign up as a church for International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church by going to www.idop.ca and registering for a kit. That kit will have the two featured countries as countries to pray for, both Afghanistan and Nigeria, as was shared in the video this morning. And you can pray for certain prayer points and connect with them that way. This is an annual event, and I strongly encourage each church I visit that you participate every year for IDOP. That's just one simple way. On an annual basis, you as a congregation can pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. So as I uh, close this morning, and Pastor Russell will go for the uh, benediction, let's just uh, keep that in our hearts and in our minds as we move into the new year. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for sharing that. It's always eye-opening what is going on with the church across the world and a good reminder that we owe this to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We owe having them in our mind, having them in our prayers. We must make sure to do that. And for our benediction, we will actually turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I think it's particularly fitting this morning. May the God of peace 
make you perfect and holy, and may your spirit, life, and body be kept blameless for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is trustworthy and will carry it out. Pray for us, my brothers. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. My order is in the Lord's name, or that this letter is to be read out to all of the brothers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you now. Amen. Go now and serve our Lord. He who watches over